Good morning. Welcome to the Road to Blake Street Banter. Tyler, say what's up. What is up? This is weird. Doing it in the morning, I think this might be a first of all time. Maybe an Oli. I am scrambling. I I was late getting up out of bed. The kids had to get to daycare. I wasn't ready for the rundown. So we'll see how this goes. But I'm kind of excited. I was kind of excited to wake up because I knew we were going to have this conversation. So maybe that's the motivation I need for a Monday after <laughs> vacation. So we had a big night last night. The Rockies did. You did. Um Day one draft. Don't give any spoilers out. I think I want to end with the draft recap, even though I think most people are coming here. But I think that's why I want to just tease it at the end there. So probably Hold them just, captive. Right. You guys get to listen to minor league stats and numbers and names and stuff first. But how would you rate? How would you grade the day one Rockies draft? Well, yeah, we'll get we'll get more into it. And a lot of it, the, the funny thing with the draft, and this is going to be a long answer. A big thing with the draft is the the signing bonus really ends up being what matters the most. Like you want to get the guy you wanted at that spot, but if you take a guy, let's throw Cole Carrig into the mix. Was a, was a guy that the Rockies drafted. If you sign him well under the slot, it allows you to elevate a, a future pick or or however the money shakes up. That that makes that pick a lot better. So it's it's hard to fully know, but based on what we do know right now. I will throw a C plus on on the draft. I did not love it, but yeah, I'll save a lot of the analysis for for later. I think it started off pretty well, um, especially with Chase Dolander, and then just kind of tailed down a little bit. So C plus is what I'm going with. All right, C plus. That's that's kind of how I feel. I was feeling pretty good after picks one and two, and then I went to bed, and then I saw pick three. I just can't wrap my hand around head around it. I'm sure you'll enlighten me i really like those arms and i know sean sullivan isn't getting a lot of love online um about his pick about his stuff just not the hard thrower and all that but we know who the rockies are we know what they do um but they might be looking at something else because dude man's got a big spin rate all that and again you're going to get into that so i'm giving it without just weird pick i'm going to go a b minus because i am yeah. I'm getting sold on Dollander. Um, so talking to you and Mario last night on the Twitter space, which you can go find on the on the Twitter. Um, kind of talked me into it. He just is athletic. They read some things this morning that the Rockies seemed to know what he was doing differently. He made some mechanical adjustments that didn't quite work. So we got to get back to what he was two years ago. And the Rockies are developing pitchers pretty well. I'm not mad about their development. It's just being able to stay healthy with them and making sure that doesn't get derailed because we're going to talk about some guys that are doing pretty solid with what with where we're at. Okay. So I'll, I'll go B minus right there. I also put this question out on the Twitter sphere. Um, I'm going to show you, let's see if I can do this right. Um, nope. Let's see. Bear with me. If you're watching, if you're listening, just go ahead and skip ahead. 10. Ten seconds. Spotify has that fifteen seconds ahead button. If you're yeah, on there, <laughs> there you go. Um, I was not ready for this, so I'm just going to read them. Sorry, uh, Skyler, our boy Skyler gave it a C plus, B minus. He's in the same area as I am. Trevor, don't he was new to us? I guess they had a had to go pitching. Their far system is not in good shape when it comes to the pitching side. Dollander's upside is worth the risk. I don't think much will be needed to change be changed with him. 
Maybe, maybe not. Um, gotta go back. This looks terrible. Oh no, <laughs> Tyler, things are off the rails already. I'll have to figure that out after I get done reading. Um, geez, Louise, Colby, uh, he's been around for a little bit. He gave us a C. Is it just me? It's just me, but I'm not a fan of the low velo guys at Coors. Love the upside of Dollander if he can get back to 2022 form. If all goes well, top of rotation of Hughes, Hill, and Dollander is a power. It's all power, and I love it. And then Rockies now, fantastic Instagram. Uh, if you haven't been following yeah. them on Instagram, uh, gave it a solid B. No analysis. Doesn't want to waste his time. <laughs> I, I think he put it, put some tweets out there, and his again his uh, his Instagram has his feelings out there as well. They get it. There we go. All right. There we go. Back to, we're, we're back to we're normal on the on the YouTube. Um, so kind of similar consensus. B a little bit lower, a little bit higher. But again, we're going to get into that at the end of this uh, three three day one draft picks: Chase Dollander, Sean Sullivan, and Cole Carriage. Uh, when is day two's draft start? It starts at for for us on in Mountain Time. It's twelve, and so for you it'll be two o'clock. So we got uh, what like about four hours until then. And it's um, it's rounds three through ten. Yeah. And do we have seven picks, or do we have more than that? I think it's just the the regular picks, you know, round three, four, five, right. all that. Okay. So yeah, I, if that, I don't know math because there's always that funny extra one when you when you count. We got three eight through ten, so eight. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we see some things that kind of justify. Well, yeah, we'll get into it all a little bit more, but hopefully, some things justify what we saw on day one. Usually, again, you have to view the draft, the whole picture, because. What you do on day one is is influencing what you do on day two, um, and, and not just from a positional perspective, from a money perspective, and and all those kinds of things. So um, there's there's a lot to look out for, and we'll we'll get into some of those names that are going to be available and and all that, uh, and in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into it. So minor league road to Plexi banter is here we are doing this i'm gonna be honest i am going off based off just numbers i did not watch any baseball but i also understand there was a mistake or something happening with the mil's v streams so of mlb tv uh they weren't being shown uh, which is a little weird hopefully that's not a thing they're off this week they do come back to play on monday nope i lied friday so they have these yeah. next four days off they played yesterday um, and we're just going to go players. We're not going teams, but I do know the Albuquerque Isotopes and the Fresno Grizzlies are hot. Doing fantastic. Arford Yard Goats, I think, had like two or three walk-offs this past week. I'm seeing it on the Twitter. Um, Spokane had a nice win last night uh, behind uh, Victor Juarez. So there are a lot of good baseball being played around the, around the minors. Uh, a lot of good pitching performances. As much as you all dog on them, they are out there doing their thing. But Tyler, let's start with our players of the week here. I'm going to go first. And then you're going to go back to back, snick draft it. Um, my pitcher of the week is Jackson Cox. Again, just based on the numbers, he had two games started, uh, seven innings pitched, which give and take is kind of what it is with the development of Jackson Cox. He's been, he hasn't, I don't think he's gone over four or five innings at all this year. But what it was impressive, he has zero runs given up in those seven innings, only gave up five hits, two walks, so seven base runners um, in those seven innings. And then the 14 strikeouts, 14 strikeouts. So two per inning, huge strikeout numbers, good stuff. Love to see that from the 20-year-old um, down in Fresno, making those strides going forward as as we talk about pitching development. 
it was a little little rocky for the dude man in his first professional season starting off, but seems to have figured it out. Opponents are only hitting 185 this past week against him. So a huge shout out, my pitcher of the week, Jackson Cox. Yeah, he's a he's a dude, and we we all knew coming out of out of high school in the draft last year that the talent level was was way up there. But you see with the prep pitchers all the time, it's it's such a transition learning to pitch against pro talent instead of you know for him it was Washington high schoolers and and other high schoolers on on like the draft national circuit and all that. He's finally facing pro hitters. He had a real tough beginning, and now. I think he's settled in at this point with the way he's pitching it. You know, you mentioned 14 strikeouts in seven innings and just two walks. It's crazy for a 20 year old, a guy who was drafted just last year out of high school. My pitcher of the week, Mr. Joe rock has been, and this is sort of a continuation on what he did last week. This week though, he, he dropped a five inning start with nine K's just one earned run three hits, two walks. So that one whip, but the nine Ks is what I what really jumps out to me, and he builds off of his last week's start. He went five and a third last week with twelve strikeouts, so that's twenty one strikeouts for those keeping track at home in his last ten and a third innings. Just four earned runs over that time. He set a yard goats record in a single game with twelve Ks. I, I, I I'm pretty sure that's right, um, and he did that in five and a third innings, like. If he went seven, he might add 16 or something like that. So uh, the dude is just missing a ton of bats. I'm glad he's back on track. The injury really derailed his progress to start the year. But his arm talent and the, just the overall skill set is really tantalizing. Like it's that funky lefty. We saw we'll get into Sean Sullivan, uh, the round two draft pick a little bit later. That funky lefty. And we see it with Carson Palmquist, too. The funky lefties are always going to work. Um as long as the stuff is is decent, but in the case of Joe Rock and, and those other two guys as well, the stuff is is really good, uh, and it comes from the funny lefty slot. Like guys just are not going to have a fun time. They see Joe Rock on the on the lineup card, and they're like, "Shit, <laughs> look at that guy!" So it's Joe good. Rock has been absolutely balling out. Uh, I think there's a he. I mean, he has to be on the big league radar at this point. He's doing well in Double A, and I think Triple A for pitchers is sort of a it's a touchy place to go. You do not want to have your pitchers develop in AAA. I think it's good for them to get that experience of pitching at altitude there. But you saw Ryan Feltner and Noah Davis have both skipped AAA in the past and just gone straight to the big league club. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do that with Joe Rock, but you know he's basically big league ready now. Um, yeah, we talked know, about that last night. That's a fun conversation. It's how much weight do we put on triple a stats as a Rockies pitcher, particularly starting pitcher. And like you said, like being able to skip that doesn't, it does make sense. Like having guys just go straight from double a to the majors and finding that success is huge. Cause I don't know. It just seems like bad things happen in the PCL <laughs> and like skipping past things. that, like <laughs> go have that, those growing pains in the majors and then go down to the PCL work on what, what you see up there. It's kind of seems like that's what the Rockies move is right now with going with that. When you look at the Seattle Mariners and they're not an, uh, a model of success this year, it's been a little bit of a disappointing year, but pretty much all their prospects they've called up. You think about um, Bryce Miller, who is, who is just, garnered the spotlight for rookie pitchers he went from double a to the big leagues pretty much all their top prospects especially on the pitching side they're skipping the the triple a pcl 
BS experience because that's kind of what it is. It's a little crazy. It makes a little sense for the Rockies. They get to put their pitchers in a gauntlet. Otherwise, I might as well just ship them on up. Yeah. Um, but turning the page to the to the hitting side, I'm going with our guy, Niwat Colorado, basically Boulder, Skyler Messenger, who was, if I'm not mistaken, 19th round last season. And he's finding his groove in Fresno. He's he's kind of like, hey, I'm not just a Colorado kid that was was given a pity draft pick. Like I'm here to play uh, this this week. Four homers, four homers this week. A 14.23 OPS, ten hits total. So his his bat has more than come around. Um, I do not have his season stats in front of me right now, but it's been a. I mean, this week on its own can can really like pushed the the needle way way up there um but just a yeah crazy week overall he's now hitting 279 861 ops with nine homers it's kind of crazy to hit four of his nine in one week but it's safe to say he's comfortable as a 24 year old in fresno spokane yeah get him get him a ticket to spokane Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, he was a kind of an undrafted free agent. Uh, nope. 19th round. I keep thinking he was undrafted, but he's 24. We can't have 24 year olds in Cali league. We've talked about that on um, plenty of times and he's proven that he needs to go up there. Yeah. He has nine home runs on the, on the year, 45 RBIs, 861 OPS in that time. Uh, my hitter of the week. I do want to go Grant Levine, but before going there, I want to talk about gay twos. He's the one that we're watching, put it out there. I'm going to interrupt the, the rundown tyler do we see gabe hughes in colorado purple this year i just i i want to say i hope it's not purely because of necessity that like oh we're out of starters and gabe hughes is ready enough like i want him to have a few more really good starts in double a and then the rockies can be like all right i think this kid could could actually do wonders for us right now so i don't i i don't know if i want to say yes or no I'll say I'll say no because he was drafted just last year. There's been some rough patches. It hasn't been a bad year by any means, but it has not been perfect either. I think to get to the big leagues within a year, things kind of have to be perfect. So I'll say no, although there is definitely a chance. I I I'm going yes, just kind of like what they did with Noah Davis last year. They brought him out for those final two weeks, let him kind of hang out, and then put him in. In the last game or two, I can see them doing that with Gabe Hughes because he's definitely part of the future. I see him part of the rotation next year. Um, I think the way the Rockies do things and letting these kids get a taste of the majors and all that, I think Gabe Hughes is on that track to get there. Um, he had two weeks ago, he had his seven inning start, seven strikeouts in that time. This week, he had two starts on the second and the ninth. First start went three innings, second start went five innings. With six strikeouts, third start, um, the three inning start, he only had two strikeouts. Pushing around 90, 95 is his max uh, pitch limit, but he had 64 strikes out of those 95 pitches his last outing. 95 pitches in five five innings. We talked about that a little bit last night. Like, you're not mad if your starter is going five anymore. The way the bullpens are built, like getting one inning, you have to go one inning pretty much. So, getting five is not terrible. But I would love to see more six inning starts. He's only gone six innings twice this year, so that might be something they're looking at as they go forward. But I'm on I'm on team Gabe in purple by the end of the year, just because four of our five opening day starters are on the IL. Uh, who knows <laughs> when they're coming back? Kyle Freeland's out at least six to eight weeks with his dislocated shoulder, non throwing arm. So crossing our fingers that comes back okay. 
but and then just the Rockies mo. Um, so yeah, Gabe Hughes will be in purple. You can just mark me on that right now. I know you're listening, Sky. Go ahead and tweet that out. It's um, my my hitter of the week. It's friend of the pod, dude, man of the pod, great Grant Levine. Two home runs, only three RBIs in with those, but his walk to strikeout rate, four walks to six strikeouts, still insane. Hey, OPS of one one four two with that extra double in there. The Hartford Yargoats offense just isn't clicking right now. It's been pretty bad, pretty lackluster. It's the Eastern Zone, um, Eastern League too, so you're not getting a whole bunch of runs and whatnot going into that. But Grant Levine, um, he just continues to make that walk and strikeout rate almost one to one every every week. His strikeout rate has definitely lessened as the year has gone on. I don't know how much, but I know it's definitely there. Uh, so just super proud of him. Like I, I, we, I would love to see more power, and we got what three extra base hits and nineteen at bats, so not terrible. Um, just good, it's just good stuff. So Grant Levine is my hitter of the week uh, going forward. And I saw Drew Drew Romo had some had some good at bats. He had a nice uh, RBI double to tie the game or lead. He had an 833 OPS. That's somebody that we've been watching pretty closely, seeing how the season goes on, seeing how he progresses. So just good stuff there from Grant Levine. Yeah, Drew Let- Ramos basically got his OPS almost now. It, it dropped like a, a couple points later in the week, but almost a 700 again. Yes. Um, to, you know, to do that in, in the Eastern League, you will take that every day of the week, uh, especially for a, a defensive-minded catcher. A 700 OPS will play. So that really, really good things happening with him these last couple weeks. Uh, we we spent our time being a little skeptical, um, you know, kind of hoping for things to turn around, and and they they have. So props yeah. to Drew Romo for for really finding his groove. Yeah. So just fun stat: June first, his OPS was 320. Let's make it let's make it more severe. June seventh, his OPS or I'm sorry, his slugging was 299. His slugging was 299 on June 7th. His slugging now is 408. So these last four or five weeks have been insane for him. So huge props to Drew Romo for figuring it out. And that was the big thing that I was talking about. Like he's never struggled. He's young. He's 21. He's never had to do this. And he's doing it now. And he's doing it in the toughest league. So a lot of good things happening from Drew Romo. Uh, Love it. And Yankee L. Fernandez, (laughs) this man, hit another home run. It was in the Futures game that nobody was able to watch. I saw he had a nice single, uh, was in the game in the seventh and that's in the game. He looked good out there. He looked like he belongs uh, from the one or two highlights I've seen. Uh, he had a cannon on his arm. Did you see that throw? I think yeah, I tweeted they, it. They clocked it at 103 miles per hour. And I was kind of like there had to be like a hot gun on that. But looking at the ball path, it was like, Really fast. <laughs> like, <laughs> really it fast. went from right field to third base in like two seconds, it felt like. Um, you know, you always expect throws to really slow down. That thing never slowed down until it, you know, hit whoever was playing third base. Uh, that was a wicked throw. And I, I think to to now know, because I think arm grades and overall just fielding grades are always a little relative. Uh, I think you should be skeptical of them for minor league players. I mean, that's a 70 grade arm. And if he's doing that with his raw power, uh, with his ability to hit, like you are looking at it, but like there, there's actual franchise outfield potential. It's not just like, oh, yeah, this guy could be a good hitter. Um, that's a freaky thing to be able to do. Like not many outfielders in, in pro baseball can do that. So 
you know, he's big time. Yeah, you have Brinson Doyle and Nolan Jones with the cannons too. Like you're saying, <laughs> could you imagine you that an outfield of that three? They like no one is running. No, they're scared, and they keep trying to run on our dude Doyle. Like he had another throw it at home this week. Again, saw the highlights, and just like, why are we? Why are you doing it? <laughs> I think he's proven himself now that he has a cannon and it's accurate. So stop running on the dude. I mean, he's got like four outfield assists at this point. That's it's crazy. Insane. Yeah. And that might be another conversation we have at, at how much do we wait? Cause Doyle's struggling with the bat and that's kind of expected. That's kind of his MO. He's going to be a 220, 230 batting average, big strikeout, but big power numbers going forward. Um, maybe put this on our radar to talk about, but like how much do we put on glove first center fielder as opposed to offense at Coors in Colorado? When you got the corner guys that can rake, it was kind of a conversation. Uh, Twitter, I was doing it with Luke, I think, looking at it, and it was curious. It's interesting. Like in 2007 and 2018, the Rockies playoff runs, they had a defensive first center fielder with corner guys that just raked. And I wonder if there's something to that theory there. But we'll we'll just put that on the radar there. Uh, players of the month, the Rockies uh, have. They give their monthly players of the month, Jordan Beck, Ryan Ritter, and Dion George going with that. Uh, just good numbers. They gave ACL uh, Dion the ACL player of the week, player of the month there. But Jordan Beck, absolutely insane. I need to look this up. Maybe I'll look it up while you look talk about Ritter. But 316 average, five dongs, 35 RBIs, which it just seems like, astounding 22 runs with a 986 art OPS in that time. I'm pretty sure his 72 RBIs are like second or third in all of MILB. Um, so that's something I want to look up here, but I got to call him up. Got to have him join Yankee L. We we've seen what he can do. Kind of, kind of see what they do with his draft picks and going forward with these call-ups, but Jordan Beck has, is, is there a better pick from last year's draft than Jordan Beck right now? I mean, what is crazy is saying that all three of those those top three picks have all played really well. Like Sterling Thompson was – I mean, IL was involved, but he was running like a 400 average into June. Um, Gabe, Gabe Hughes is, like you are saying, knocking on the door a little bit already. So I don't know who you take out of that trio, but everyone has really pulled their weight. It, it's a reason why I'm – with this this year's draft, I'm, I'm being – patient to see because they kind of knocked it out of the park with those first three picks last year. And then you add Ryan Ritter, who this month hit 353 with six homers, three triples, an OPS over 1100, 1124, earned him a promotion to Spokane. That's a, that was an interesting deal going on up there because Adel Amador, he got hit on the, on the hand by a pitch like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, somewhere in that range. It took like another week and a half for the shortstop promotions to happen. I don't know what was, what was going on. Like yeah. they knew there was an injury and Ryan Ritter and Diane Hore played at their respective levels for like another week before getting promoted. It didn't make any sense. Like they knew Amador was hurt, whether or not surgery, whatever was in the cards, they didn't know. And those guys just still sat there for a little bit. It was weird, but eventually they did get those promotions. So Ryan Ritter uh, with an absolutely torrid month. And he's had a decent start up in Spokane. Sometimes you see guys get the promotion 
And whether it's it's nerves or just being a little outclassed at the beginning and, and needing to adjust, they absolutely struggle. Uh, he already has a home run, and I guess actually he has been he's been beat around a little bit. His WRC plus is eleven, but it's twenty six plate appearances. <laughs> Things will turn around. Um, yeah, he earned this call up though, and and we know the skill set is really really spectacular with with the plus glove at shortstop. Um, the I mean he had eighteen homers already well 19 homers total 18 down in fresno for a shortstop to do that at half a season like that's that's 30 home run power uh he's that kind of guy so you you have a really good skill set with with ritter and then you turn the page you have your other young shortstop dion Jorge out of um cuba he was a he's a cuban signee and he is he's raked this year and finally got his shot in full season ball. He's a little older as they go. I, the Rockies kind of skipped his his initial international signing period. So he's 20, even though he's only been signed for two years. Usually you see those guys sign at like 16 or 17. But uh he's been balling. He has been absolutely balling. He's hitting 345 in Fresno already to start uh, you know, his his go around in full season ball. Yeah, it's it's fun to see. And I'm, I'm glad Dion got the the call up and it sucks that injury to our number one prospect is what caused all these calls yeah. to happen. And I mean, it is a uh, double-edged sword there. However, it's cool seeing that they can fill in. Like we saw with Hunter Stovall when he filled in for Ezekiel Tovar last year, you have these guys that are able to step up and actually get these playing time at the next level. And so their, their development isn't slowing because of somebody else's injury. So exciting for Ritter. I, I'm really excited what he does with Spokane going forward if we can if we can find a fourth round draft pick do work like that all the way through to the majors i think we the rockies did well there that 2022 draft is looking really good right now all right let's um oh want to go back so jordan beck is third fourth in all of minor league in rbis but i was looking at this tyler we have triple a yeah right there's a few so out of the top 20, Colorado has five guys. Okay. Could you name them? Um, and all of my, my minor leagues, top five in RBI. I'm. It's tough to. I want to say one of the AAA. Well, there, there's got to be a AAA guy up there. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw out Coco, even though he's not like the middle of the order run producer. He's not. No, Coco. I, I think he spent too much time up. 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 I, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, you would think that Yankeel Fernandez would would be in there. Yankeel is second in RBIs, okay. seventy-seven. I Leader could has seventy-nine. Grant Levine, I could see Grant Levine being in there. Otherwise, gotta go with uh, you know, Mike Tully is still just a big time producer, consistent. He's he's played pretty much every game in AAA. He only was a, you know with the big leagues for like three or four days. Yep. So I'm thinking Tol- he's up there. Tolio Tolia is 15th with 63. There's okay. one Rocky ahead of him and one Rocky below him. We talked about one of them. Well, the one ahead, I'm guessing because he had a really toward start is Hunter Goodman. Yep. You know, he's 11th with 64. And then, I mean, are we talking Ryan Ritter since yep. he is he's the man of the hour right now? Yep, 61 RBIs for Ryan Ritter. So, again, five of the top 20 in all of MLB are RBI leaders. That's so, right. That is pretty crazy, especially in for a shortstop. Again, that's not something you see all that often. He was the 
the life force of that Fresno offense, but they still, they've lost one game in July. We got to give them some love one game in the month of July <laughs> I know. and they don't even have Ryan Ritter anymore. They haven't had him for like a week. No, they, whatever they're doing is great. I I'm going to be honest. I'm sorry, Steven and Johnny. I have not been watching them. They're, they're just on too late. I can't stay up that late, but I might, we also need to get one of their guys, Steven, if you're listening, which I doubt you are, you don't have time. You're a busy man. We need to, we need to talk. We need to, get some guys from fresno on the pod here um and then just we're looking at it uh second in home runs home run race in all minor leagues yankee l is tied for second with 22 joe adele for whatever reason he's still in the minors <laughs> is has 23 with he's tied with two other guys with 23 um jordan beck has 20 and then ryan ritter has 19 so it'll be interesting yankee l versus jordan versus ritter going forward who has more home runs and Hunter Goodman's up there with 18, but his, we're not going to talk about his last month. Your mom's favorite player is in timeout. It seems like right now, but we, that might be something we add to next week's pod. Maybe that's a Thursday conversation. We'll see. So players of the month, Jordan Beck, Ryan Ritter, Diane George, uh, our players of the week, Jackson Cox, Joe rock, Skylar messenger, Grant Levine. And let's get into call-ups before we get into, we're about that 30 minute mark. So we can split it call-ups our dude Duke and Darnell got the triple-a call-up who was more excited than us nobody finally getting that nod I don't think he's pitched in I'll look real quick I don't think he's got a nod yet um I know Evan Justice who also joined him who made light work of double-a got the call-up but Duke and Darnell do do we see him in Rocky Purple this year Tyler you know I don't think that they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna push it but if he pitches well there and and there's still a need, I think so. But you also have to look at you have Tyler Kinley who he's he's rehabbing right now in the complex league. Like he'll be back um, at some point this month, if not early August. So that's another spot that gets taken up. Um, it's they have a lot of relievers, so I don't think that there is a clear push. They have to clear a spot. So I think he's more likely to get added to the forty man after the season. Yeah. Um, but if he if he's cooking and Albuquerque, Walter White style. He has a good chance to to get that push uh, to the big leagues, and that's just so that's so exciting for for a guy with his his journey. Yeah, his story is insane. I guess he's pitched twice. He has two point one innings. He finished both games. He has one win, zero losses, so no saves. So I don't know what that means, but four hits allowed, one earned run, two walks. Zero strikeouts. He's a big strikeout guy, so we'll see how that plays out as he goes forward. But he's got his taste. He's making, he started in 2021 in low A. He's now in 2023, two seasons later, up in AAA. Duke and Darnell, fantastic story. Our guy. Um, I just want everybody, not like selfishly, I want everybody when they see Duke and Darnell in purple, they connect him with BSB. I, I, I feel like that's something that's there. I mean, he's already, yeah, he's, he's done it, but. He was, yeah, we, we, we talked to some guys and, you know, we get that connection, but I think a lot of people did find out about him through this, which is, you know, that's, that's kind of a unique thing for us. Um, and, and for him as well, I, I think he has a lot more f supporters in the uh, fan base because of, you know, what's gone on and he's totally earned every bit of it. It's no longer just like, a, oh, this is fun. This guy's, you know, pretty good. Like he is, he's right there at the doorstep and it's, it's awesome. Yes. Uh, Bryce McGowan got the call up to Hartford, right? Yeah, initially they put him in AAA, and he actually pitched there. 
But I, I so I don't know what was going on exactly. Yeah, it's weird. He, right? he was yeah. pushed back to Double A, so it was as if he was a placeholder for uh, Evan Justice, and I I want to say he went up before Dugan Darnell did, but I'm not positive. So just like a lot of shuffling, you also had Michael Peterson go to Triple A. So three new relievers in Triple A. All of those guys, you know, are, are are on that radar. So, you know, someone I think will some one, there's going to be a new face in, in purple. I think at the end of the season, it could be Evan Justice. He's the he's the higher draft pick. I think he was a fourth rounder in, in 2021. So he is is someone that the, the club is like, Fifth hey, round. this is a yeah. high high drafty, um, and he's he's balled out a good bit. Um, did we miss him? We mentioned Diane and then. Colton Schmidt also, I guess, up to double A. So, yeah, and that's the story that we have to, I have to dive into more. He's uh, coming back from Tommy John, right? Last year, I, and I believe did so, work yeah. in Spokane in like two or three starts. So he's come here. He's got a fantastic beard. Looks like he has been off the grid for like five years. <laughs> um, he's a he's a cool story. I know it's there. Uh, just coming back, um, it'd be it'd be fun to dive into that. Yeah, and yeah. You talked about it already, I know. But Evan Justice had a taste of his in Spokane. One inning of zero runs, zero hits, two strikeouts. Uh, one thing that he struggled with when he first got to Hartford was the walks. He only had nine walks in 16 innings, but most of those were like in the first two or three games. So, again, Evan Justice being able to control the strike zone is going to be huge. I don't often see a three-tier season. Spokane, Hartford, Albuquerque for Evan Justice. Bryce McGowan. He's also on that track, right? He's technically pitched. <laughs> Bryce McGowan has pitched in every level this year, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, you're that, that's like, true. He started in Fresno. He even started in rookie ball. He has gone five. Oh, yeah. Rookie okay. ball, that's, Fresno, Spokane, Hartford, AAA. My gosh, that's actually insane. Like, if when you look at, at the, you know, the stat pages, it's a, a nice stair step. Yeah. Something you don't see. That's maybe like one or two guys every year can say that they pitched it. I don't know, all five, <laughs> not even just all four of the regular minor league yeah. levels. He also, yeah, had a, a rehab appearance in the complex league. So yep. he is the journeyman, except hopefully he's better than your typical journeyman. Right, yeah. It, it, he's. I mean, he's a big arm. You've been high on Bryce for a while. It's going to be fun to watch him go forward. I'm very curious what – Rockies seem to love Michael Peterson. Pitching the great uh, for Great Britain in the W uh, World Baseball Classic. I was going to say WCS, CWS, but he, I've watched him and I have not been impressed. I know he has big, big numbers, big fastball, uh, some decent off-speed stuff to match with it. But maybe, maybe it's just the few games I've watched. He was bad because he only has eight walks on the season in whatever there it is, twenty-one innings. Which I thought it was a lot higher. I must have just watched some bad games. Thirty strikeouts and twenty-one innings. All right, so I'm going to jump off my my take here. Well, I guess yeah. No, I, honestly, he's one of those that I've always known he has some pretty big stuff, but you know, yeah. the numbers are way better than I was expecting. And when he got that AAA call up, I was kind of like, okay, all right. Um, but I think he deserves to be there. He's also 29, so the clock is sort of ticking on him. Yep. Don't have you know forever to to keep letting him cook down and and triple and develop. So makes sense to see him get the push and and yeah, it's explosive stuff. Yeah, high like he's hitting triple digits at least once or twice, if not the whole 
game that he's in. Uh, so another another armbar and arm to look forward to. So call ups. I think we. Oh, and we forgot one. One of my favorite. He's older for his 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 group. Felix Ramirez. He finally got the call up to Spokane. He's been one we've been clamoring since the beginning. He shouldn't have been ever in Fresno. But 36 innings pitched, 41 strikeouts, 10 walks, only allowed two earned runs in his 36 innings in Fresno. <laughs> That's crazy. So, I, again, I haven't been able to watch him. His stuff is pretty nasty. He's got a pretty big um, off-speed, a lot of movement on it. And so we'll see what how that works out in Spokane there. So call-up season it has begun. Cross our fingers, knock on wood. A lot more happened with this all-star break coming in after the draft, seeing where we're at. Um, all right. Last little thing. I know I, we, I just haven't talked about the minors. in so long, Tyler. Connor Kaiser was DFA'd. Uh, so was Jorge Alfaro, but they are both back in the system. They are with Albuquerque down in Albuquerque. Uh, now they cleared waivers all the way through. Zach Agnos is already top 10 in Fresno saves of all time. I don't, That's I think crazy. he's, I should have had the number ready. Um, maybe I can find it real quick. Nope. Not ready. Um, maybe Mike can get on that. And then Winton Bernard is back. We gotta see what that man's up to. I should reach out to him. Um, Winton Bernard is back, and he's been everything he was last year. It's kind of sucks. I wanted him to do work and be a fourth outfielder for Toronto. Uh, just wasn't in the cards. Again, don't know the numbers, but he was like, "Go, Rockies are gonna Rocky and bring back their guys." And if they're gonna bring back a guy that nobody's gonna be upset about. It's Winton Bernard. So huge, huge, just excitement around Winton Bernard joining the isotopes once again. Um, I think that's a lot of the big news here. Amador had surgery on the hand. Uh, same thing as Mike Trout. So he's going to be out six to 10, six to 10 weeks, I think. But I think, um, I think they're hopeful he's back um, really towards the end of, of August. So you're looking at less than two months. Um, I, like they want him to play again. Uh, this season so we'll see if if he's afforded that opportunity or not you know the minors end a lot quicker than the major league season I think it's early September that they finish so not a ton of time but hopefully we get to see him back and then something that we're watching is Benny Montgomery left the game again last night he was running out to center field and something happened and he was taken off the field he's been hurt like off and on over the last like three weeks but um, hit by pitches a few times takes a day or two off then comes back on. So just something we're watching. How much would that suck when you have Zach Veen, Adele Amador and Benny Montgomery all going down in the same season. That like it just yeah. added to the list of 2023 injuries for the Colorado Rockies, but something we're watching right. They're off again until Friday. So he has four days to recover see how that goes. And hopefully he's being penciled back into the starting lineup there. Um, I think that's it. And I, yeah, I think that's it. Cole Tucker's been hitting really well down in the minors. Tolio's on his power surge right now. So there's some things happening. If we start seeing shuffles, Coco Montez is back down. Um, Trey Hill's back up. Gavin Hollowell's a Rocky. I think that's it. I think I'm done talking. I'm going to give you your shine now. Draft day. We talked about it last night. Dra- day one draft recap is done. Um you already gave it a, a B, a B minus. How, I don't know, how much fun did you have? Let's start with that. It was, you know, it was fun. There were there were some things that capped it. You know, you were I was really hoping for more of a of an exciting bat to be drafted at some point in the three picks, and that just did not happen. 
we'll start with the first peg. And I, I want to preface this. We we did a, a fair amount of talking about this on the Twitter space. Uh, most of Rocky's Twitter was just really clamoring for pitching throughout the night. And I just, you know, I, I think adding some pitching is, is a healthy thing to do. But I, it's, I think it's an overreaction to just what we've seen from the big league club this year that has been the result of, like you said, like basically the entire starting rotation being injured. And all of a sudden we feel like pitching is this real panic need. And I'm not saying we don't need pitching. We do. But the offense has been – it's been the worst – offense in baseball by a very large margin. I, you know, I want to make that loud and clear last in WRC plus dead last in F war by position players. They're at negative one. No other team is below 2.9. So it's a terrible offense. They need hitting. They need a hitting and all of their offensive prospects have kind of scuffled with the exception of, you know, Amador has played really well now injured. And Yankee Fernandez, every other hitting prospect, aside from the the recent, you know, Loe, Sterling Thompson, Jordan Beck, those guys have scuffled a lot. So you don't necessarily have surefire big leaguers, um, surefire impact big leaguers coming through. Like you, you just need talent. It's not about, oh, we need pitching. You need the best talent you can get. I think with Chase Dolander, it's an except. Like it's not, you know, following my my train of thought that oh, they they settled for for Dolander. I think there were better hitters on the board to take, but he is also a, a really high-end talent, so we'll actually focus on on him now. Um, you know, a guy who, coming into the season, people thought was going to go top three. It was a, an incredible 2022 season. His whip was like 0. .7 or something like that. He walked, uh, I think, it was 13 guys in 80 innings. Like he was, he was a specialist of the of you know command. He's an upper 90s fastball guy. It averages 95.7. The one thing that, again, to draft a pitcher in the top 10, I feel like you have to be very certain, like, oh, this is a guy who's going to run. His slider this year, opponents hit a 914 OPS against it, and that is his second pitch. The fastball is great. It ran a 30% whiff rate this year. That is excellent for fastballs and then the high V-low, of course. But the slider just hasn't really worked. Uh, and even in 22, uh, he got better results on it because he commanded it better. But it's not like a strikeout pitch. And I think, again, you're drafting a guy in the top 10. I think you want pure dominance. And and this year was a bit far from dominance. So I, I don't love the pick. I think a lot of people were really stoked on that. And I just didn't I didn't quite get it. There were some elite hitters available. And I don't know if you can consider Chase Dolander an elite pitching prospect because the command is an issue. He doesn't have a second plus pitch in his arsenal. It's a plus fastball. And then, you know, if you're calling the fa- the slider plus, it's because you're pre- you're hoping and projecting that tweaks are made. But that's just not, you know, the best way to approach a top 10 pick. So we'll, we'll start there, at least for now. So uh, that's, who would a, you, that's a very pessimistic view. Who would you start, have? But. So hitting wise, who would you rather them add at that time? So, you know, we and and this isn't even maybe my number one. Chase Davis, though, was a guy I absolutely loved. I think he was the yeah. third best college hitter in this class. High contact rates, really good plate discipline, and it's huge power. I, I think the league played themselves by allowing him to fall to pick 21. I hate the Cardinals. They get every good player. <laughs> we talked about that last night. But other guys on the board that I really like, Tommy Troy out of Stanford, huge power. Doesn't swing and miss much at all. He they showed a graphic on 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 the draft that pitches that were 96 and up, he never swung and missed at one. It's elite bat to ball skills and it's plus power. Like I don't know how you let a guy like that sit on the board and then boom, the Arizona Diamondbacks scoop him up. So 
that is going to sting. I I promise you all, Tommy Troy is going to kill the Rockies in the future, and we're going to be pissed that we let him sit on the board. You also had Matt Shaw out of Maryland. He's a five-tool shortstop. Uh, you know, maybe not a plus defensive shortstop, but it's great power, great hitter. Kyle Teal, catcher out of Virginia, plus power, plus hitter, huge arm, even if he doesn't stick at catcher. I think those were the main three guys I was really hoping for one of those bats. And then, you know, Chase Davis as well. I understand. I, th- I guess the league wasn't as high on Chase Davis as, as I, but I'm kind of expecting him to have a, a Jordan Walker meteor rise. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a snob at this point. I really wanted a hitter. I think that the, the Rockies have just neglected the offense for years and years because the non-park adjusted numbers look fine. The park adjusted numbers have been the worst in the league pretty much the last, really the last 10 years. I, I want to be, I want this to be my, it's been my pretty, rant now. It's been pretty bleak for a long time up at, in Coors. I, Even I, with I, Nolan and Trevor, it was bad like those guys were the only thing keeping them from being the worst for those years but it was really bad uh even even in those mid 2010s with a couple superstars so they need hitting they didn't you know get an impact bet yeah and i wonder if that's because their view is a little clouded with yankee l and jordan beck and you got some of these guys like hunter goodman was off to a good start grant levine i'm still big on levine amador you have some of these position players already Maybe they're clouded like, okay, we have this in two, three years, we have that crop coming back up, but they need an impact bat. And I don't know if the Rockies have that right now. Yankee is looking like that impact bat right now. However, strikeouts are a thing he needs to work on and being able to contact and power, being able to be like a Charlie Blackman type hitter in Colorado. Yankee is still not there. He still has some growing to do. Uh, so I think I was all in on pitching. So the fact that they went pitching back to back, I was all for just because we, I mean, kind of countering what you would just ranting off on about, which I agree with everything you said. I think you could say the same thing about you need at least eight, eight to nine starting pitching arms every single season that's ready to go. And the Rockies have only been three or four deep, like feeling good about three to four deep for so long. And so adding more talent to add to that, like I think it was some, I don't know, you mentioned it earlier, but or one of the Twitters tweets at us. If you can get a Jaden Hill, a Gabriel Hughes, and a Chase Dollander as your two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, along with Noah Davis, a Carl Kaufman, see if Jeff Criswell can develop here, Joe Rock, you're starting to look at a rotation that has eight to nine arms that you're not so worried about. Which I think, in my in my point of view, that's in the long term is better for the Rockies because injuries are going to happen. I mean, four out of five opening day starters are gone. You need to have that that depth, and the Rockies haven't had any depth at that at that starting pitching since what two thousand <laughs> like ever. I don't know. It's been a little yeah scant on that end. Um. But looking at you know the depth they currently have, I maybe I'm a little more optimistic. But I think you have a lot of guys who profile as mid rotation guys back end right right now. Uh, you look down the list, you have Jordy Vargas, who he should be in Spokane soon. He's two years away. You have Joe Rock, who we spent a lot of time talking about. Like he is basically big league ready. Uh, Jeff Criswell, I mean he's big league ready, but he's dealing with some stuff. And then where I think that you know the real kind of story starts you have guys like Carson Palmquist, Mike Prosecchi, Connor Stain, who they drafted last year like in the later rounds not later rounds but not day one 
and those guys are all looking like very likely big leaguers. Like I think it it shows it's pretty easy to dig up pitching talent. Um, there's there's a lot more pitchers out there. If you're doing a, a good job scouting, you're gonna find these guys. Um, and so I, I think you can be more efficient with your resources. Take some high end hitters because you're not gonna find good hitters in the in the mid late rounds. That's a lot harder to do. Um, like you know, my one of my big talking points last night. Look at the look at the leaderboard. Um, American drafted hitters like Fangraphs. Any stat you really want, almost all of them are you know prep hitters. Those are guys you have to draft in like the first round um, or or second round, something like that. So I just think hitting is is a real premium in the league, and pitching is something that you know the Rockies have have they finally are doing a good job actually finding guys off of waivers and things like that that are okay. Like they, in the, in the past, they absolutely couldn't. I think they're showing like pitching is something you can band-aid when you need to, you cannot band-aid your lineup. It, it, like the Rockies have been trying to band-aid it for 10 years and they have found nothing that really sticks. Um, pitching that side, was, you know, a little more optimistic on the, on the pitching side of you have some, some quality veteran guys now that are going to be there for a while. And you have enough young guys coming through that, you know, I, I think that there won't be really depth issues and you just needed to take the best players on the board. And I think you when you turn your, your head to the second round pick, Sean Sullivan, I think he's a good player. Absolutely not, you know, the best player on the board. I think there was a little bit of a reach there, which, again, going back to the signing bonus stuff, that's going to be the real factor is like, did they get him under slot? Because if they did, you know, it makes sense to make that selection. I think that was like, hey, we need pitching. We're going to take a pitcher kind of pick. And I, again, I don't, I don't like that because you're going to leave really good players on the board. And in the second round, I'm trying to pull up exactly who went kind of right after. And that, um, that as you bring, as you bring that up, I have a question for you. So, dude, man, Sean Sullivan was definitely under slot. Like, what was he number like one fifteen overall, maybe one fifty overall and we're picking him at 45 i did write that down somewhere so like is that was that an underslot move to get some bigger guys coming up number 123 I mean, overall probably but like with the rockies you just you never really know and you know <laughs> the the pick was slotted at 1.8 million and it's hard to imagine a a good college player he's a he sean sullivan's a good pitcher i think he would have gone in the top 100 for sure I don't know how much of a haircut he's taking because these, the, you know, these guys are, they're going to get drafted. They want to push for slot if they can. I, he'll probably be a little bit below slot, but I don't know if it's going to quite justify leaving some guys like, like Colton Ledbetter that I, when, when the Rays got to pick him, I was like, of course, the Rays of get course. one of the best hitters in the draft at pick 55 overall. Um, you know, that one bothered me. Jake gel off to the Dodgers. We had talked about that a bit yeah, last man. night. Great bat. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't have loved the, the corner infielder, but then also Walker Martin was someone I was really pushing for um, Colorado kid, really good player. Maybe would have been hard to sign as a high schooler, but you know, it just felt like a, we're going to take a pitcher to take a pitcher. And yeah, I think you're, I think you're setting yourself up for just to have all your eggs in one basket in that kind of sense. And it has to work out. Otherwise you are, you're just kind of, you know, going to have the same old offense for the next handful of years. And it, it's not going to turn around. Yeah, and you I mean you're definitely not wrong in saying that. <clears throat> and it's it's going to be curious of what they do today and tomorrow. Are how, are they going to just take the high the low low risk guys going forward with these bats and try to just fill up 
fill up the the miners with just safe guys kind of what this um the third round draft pick um he has such a weird spelling carriage like he's a safe bat there's not a lot of power um i mean you talked about it earlier like you should be opsing way higher than what he did in that league at altitude but he seems to be just a good safe bet you can find somewhere for him you have multiple positions good approach at the plate uh you, it seems safe. Low risk of there. Do the Rockies take more of a risk on day two, day three with some of these, some of these guys, particularly the bats? I mean, I think you're you're going to be kind of forced into taking lower risk players because there's just not you're not going to be able to sign a prep player most likely from from here on out. Um, and most of the college guys left. There's going to be some some you know boomer bust type type of guys. We saw Brad Cumbis last year, who I don't think he's played this year. I don't know what what the deal is there. He, has a- he was like a can't really hit right now, but he's a super tooled up guy. Um, but I also do want to say with with Cole Carrig, who we haven't quite talked about yet. I think it's actually the opposite of a safe bat. I think it's a there's no power and he chases. I don't think the approach really is all that good. It's a 36 percent chase rate, which that's like, I don't know what you do with that. That's like he's swinging at almost every pitch thrown at him, um, you know, unless it's it's in the dirt from from the starting point. Uh, they're drafting him as a catcher. He has never he didn't play catcher at all this year at San Diego State. He's a center fielder. Um, so I, it's I like I think it's weird. It's a guy with speed and you're putting him at a position where speed is not a factor. So I think that was a really weird one. He. OPS just over 800 in the Mountain West, like you know, we kind of alluded to a little bit. If you're in the Mountain West, a thousand OPS should be pretty deep, like reasonable if you're a high-end draft prospect. So they're they're betting on this guy to put a ton of balls in play and maybe project for more power. I think this was a bit of a risky hitting selection, actually. And you know, if you're gonna get if you're gonna make your hitting selections few and far in between, I think you do need to go that safer route, which Hopefully we do see here on day two and then, and then on day three as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was sorry. I was just reading some things, some articles about carriage and they're, they're echoing. You say it better than what I'm reading, but you're they're echoing what you're saying. It's, it's just an interesting move. I don't like, I get the run tool. I get the arm tool, but what does that do for you? I mean, yeah, all? that's like a, Best case scenario to me, I mean, not best case, because I think best case scenario, he finds a little more power. Uh, he improves his approach a little bit because you don't have to worry about him swinging and missing a lot. Like he is not going to strike out that much, but he's not going to walk. And if he's not finding good contact, he's not going to play as a hitter. Uh, and that's just not something you expect to hear out of a third round pick. Um, or no, he's a second. He's basically a, comp, a second round pick. Top yeah. round, yeah. Um, and, and again, you're taking away the speed in, on, on the field. You're putting him at catcher where his speed, I mean, his, in other ways, the speed will play, but not the pure speed. Like he's a good athlete. I think that's without question. Um, but again, you're, you're drafting a guy in the, in the, basically the back of the second round to develop him as a catcher. That is so, that's head scratching. There's not a bat right now that, that profiles is like, all right, we got a, a you know, a really interesting bat. Best case scenario to me, he's like a 280 hitter with a 300 on base percentage and very minimal slugging ability. Like, and you're teaching him a new position. That's kind of weird. You have a lot of guys on the board still, uh, the hitters that, 
you know, maybe not great blow them away type of guys out of college, but some guys who had garnered first round upside and, and still have, you know, produced with their bat. And you see a guy who did not produce with his bat taken, uh, not even round three. So we're going to stop. We're going to stop dogging on, on carriage here. So I just found this. So <laughs> he last January carriage was listed 12th among the nation's top 150 outfielders. So he has that athletic ability can do it. However, like you said, the Rockies drafted him as a catcher. What does that mean? Who knows? Cause they also drafted Hunter Goodman as a catcher. He's now an outfielder slash first baseman. Um, he was, he before earning a spot on the Bobby Bragg national Collegiate slugger award preseason watch list. Um, so he had that, had that going before the season started and he did work in 2022 in the Cape Cod earning all-star team, um, an all-star team nod with a 321, 329 batting average, um, fourth in hits that year, that season with 47 and tied fifth, tied for fourth with 15 solo bases and had 19 RBIs in that Cape Cod league, Cape Cod league, hardest collegiate summer league out there, most competitive. And he was able to compete at that high level and produce at that high level. Just put it out there. <laughs> there is there is some good things about Cole. It's just a weird pick with a compensation B timeline. Where you gotta imagine a guy like Cole Carriage is around round three, four, five. Exactly. So that I think that's where it's at. There's there's a player, there's an athlete in this, in this guy, Cole Carriage, but where they picked the where the Rockies decided to go with it and what the Rockies mindset is with it is the confusing part there. So he's going to be one to watch. One to watch go forward. Like how, what does this mean? How do, what do, what do we go with this? And I think um, you also got to really hope another, like I mentioned with Sean Sullivan, Sean Sullivan, you know, I think it was a, it was a fine pick. This is one, if it's not under slot, I think it's, you know, bordering and I don't want to be, again, it's not a really about Cole. Like Cole is, he's a good player. Um, I think if you don't get him under slot, you're you're actually looking at like draft malpractice. Like you said, I think this is a it was a clear like third or fourth round kind of guy. So if you're not saving a little bit of money here to use elsewhere, I think it's really questionable. Um, and and yeah, doesn't quite he's a, he is a good player, and I think he'll he'll hit a little bit. Um, and you like you mentioned, the athleticism is is pretty awesome. So uh, just hoping to see him go under slot. And then the last little bit of, of it, it's. He was best of the rest in the recap article on MLB.com. He was one of the five best of the rest names that were out there. So they didn't cover round two. They didn't cover all the compensation. They just covered the round one. And Cole Carriage made that best of the rest from night one list. So it's just weird. <laughs> it's just a weird move. I can't can't seem to wrap my head, head around it. Like, what do the experts see? And then what does our expert and Tyler see and how they're kind of combating right now? It's just, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. Um, all right. So by the time people listen to this day, two is going to be done. Uh, day three is going to be starting on Wednesday. So I don't know if I want you to preview a day two stuff, but there are a few people listening. Oh, Skylar jumped in. Um, give, give Skylar somebody. What up Skylar? Um, who are some guys that we're looking in round three, four, five that you were just talking about that we, it's not going to be a prep bat, but who are some of these guys that we can add to the the squad on day two? 
So I know that in, in yeah, glad Skyler popped up because I think he had thrown the name Jack Hurley out on Twitter. I think at this point it's looking like a guy that the that you know like MLB.com they were higher on him than um than MLB teams actually are. He's sitting on the board at MLB.com, had him as their 36th player. It's still a toolsy bat. Like he is he is pretty good power. Um, you know, good tools all around. He doesn't really lack in any one area, but I think there are some concerns around the hit tool. Otherwise, though, a guy on the board right now that I think would be really interesting. I kind of w- it would have been in the same basket as like as Cole Carey is Maui Ahuna out of Tennessee. He's a really toolsy shortstop. Um, you know, there's some power there. It's 70 grade speed. He's like a 60 grade shortstop. It's you know he's really good over there. But his chase rate is is Cole Carey level. It is in the the mid high 30s, and that's one of those things where I don't know how all well that plays when you get to the pros, but. Between those two guys, you know, I think that they were probably they probably had their eyes set on this athletic player that can play a premium defensive position. So I think that's where they were they were looking. Otherwise, a couple more college bats just to throw them out there. Travis Honeyman had some first round hype early in the season. Jace, I don't know how to say his last name. It's it, I think it's Borafen out of Arkansas. He hit pretty well this season. And then a, a final guy that that has looked really good this year was Josh Rivera out of Florida another shortstop mm-hmm. a little bit older but he really uh you know i think his ops was over a thousand this year plays shortstop i think he'll stick there so there's those guys there's still a lot of pitching on the board um i think this is kind of the sweet spot for pitching and and that's why i was like hitting dries up real quick pitching there's a lot of really good pitchers still on the board yeah i got <laughs> it's I, and I understand your philosophy. I just don't know how, what else to add to it as the host here, but it's, so you're expecting probably a college bat, definitely a college bat, maybe some college arms being taken today. Um, Skyler just asked any high school pitchers I want to look out for. I don't, does this class really have, yeah, they have some that not as much as last year, but any high school arms that this draft should be looking out for. It, that's definitely, you know, the demographic I pay attention to the least. I think I mentioned it in the space yesterday, of course, because the Rockies aren't really going to dabble in that a lot. Those aren't guys I look at too much. We got I Jackson Cox this time last year. Yeah, but that was well, that was like the one. And then you throw Case Williams in there, too. It's like a one in three year kind of thing for them that they'll take a prep arm. Um, but Travis Sakura, I mentioned on the space last night, I think he's going to college. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's an A&M commit. I don't. I've said that twice. He might not be, um, but he's he's a really high octane arm. I just think at this point, a prep guy that's on the board that was projected to go in the top two two rounds is probably going to college now, unless uh, there is a team that they kind of built their draft around saving money. Um, I wouldn't look too much at prep pitching, um, but again, I'm not the best guy to to really give insight on on the prep pitchers. There's definitely some really good prep shortstops still available. This was the year of the prep shortstop. And I was really hoping the Rockies would, would capitalize on, on an opportunity to get one of those guys. Which is weird. So I had this thought last night after we start, started talking, the Rockies seem to have a really good crop of international prospects, young guys that they've been able to develop from the get go. Right. You have Amador, Yankee, yeah. L, add Juan to it. Uh, Tovar, there's other names in there. Why don't the Rockies do that with American board players? Like why aren't they drafting a high school prep shortstop that they can go ahead and develop all the way through like they are these international guys. They have a track record where they can do it. It's not like international players are that different than American born. 
Like what? That it's just a weird. I had that weird thought last night. Like, why aren't the Rockets yeah. there? There is I mean, success there. It comes probably down to balance. That you know, you look at the Dominican summer league is like that place that they're going to try and develop those guys. And then you know, when it comes to the draft, they want to be more safe. Although. I don't know how well playing it safe has really, you know, worked out for them. And when you look at guys like Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story that were arguably their two best draft picks in in this century, um, those are both, you know, from the prep demographic. It's tried and true. Those are going to be the all-star hitters in baseball. Uh, there's going to be a mix of college ones. So it, it is interesting. You see a guy, Cooper Pratt, on the board still, someone I – I think he was a first-round pick. He probably did come with some high signing bonus demands and, and will almost definitely end up at, at Ole Miss now. Um, Nick is very happy about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I mean, I guess the Rockies do some young guys. I guess Zach Veen, Benny Montgomery, Grant Levine, they they are there. It just doesn't seem – and they are all first-round picks. But they, I, like, I guess kind of what you were saying, they don't do mid-rounds. It's yeah, first round really like top fifty or bust is really yeah. how it works out for them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these guys like Cooper Pratt. Like, how are you six foot four, 195 pounds as an 18 year old? And, and that's what's crazy with those guys. All these guys are stacked. They're man. probably gonna grow another inch. Which, like, you look at where they're listed now, and it's like they are gonna even grow a little bit more. Um, so. So yeah. It's, so I just, I wish I could see more prep players in the Rockies system, but uh, you know we gotta gotta I gotta learn to live with it a little bit. <laughs> right. All right. We'll end it with that. Um, maybe we'll talk off air about doing a day two, day three recap. Maybe figuring out something to do. Maybe we put that all together for a, a Thursday pod. Whatever. Um, you're gonna be covering it today. You're gonna be covering it tomorrow. Uh, so make sure you're following the Twitter all the way through, no matter when you hear this, whenever you listen to this. Maybe we need, you need a hashtag, Tyler. Let's do a hashtag. Hashtag BSB draft. All right. Clever, it, right? It, it, let's get it rolling. Everyone who's, who's watching right now had a BSB draft when when the clock is ticking. Follow um, follow that hashtag. ML, BSB draft. And that way it's all there. That way you can just search the BSB draft so you can get all the inside behind the scene numbers that tyler is fantastic at doing and like you love it you get it you <laughs> you, you you enjoy it um so go follow bsb hashtag bsb draft here on out for the next few days um and if you're listening to this on this weekend whatever go back you can still hashtag and find all that information go back to last thursday listen to our banter session with ben bramer um solid dude he's got a cool story um was out of baseball then he felt like he had it, and then he did have it, did work in the independent league, got signed by the Rockies as a free agent this past offseason, like literally, no, this season, not this past offseason, literally end of April, beginning of May. And he's he's starting to get the taste of PCL. He had a really good four or five starts with the Topes, and then now the PCL is kind of coming back to bite him. But he's a gamer. He's a dog. He's going to try to get you five or six innings each. Uh, not a big power guy. Uh, he is kind of fun to watch. He's got a big curve, big sweep. Um, so Ben Bramer, good story, good dude. Uh, so go listen to that on all the podcasts, on the YouTubes, all that. And yeah, I think that's all I want to plug. We have t-shirts. We have a new website, BlakeStreetBanter.com, like literally BlakeStreetBanter.com, which is pretty cool. That's sweet. All the all the pods are going to go on there. We'll try to figure out what else to do to make it cool as 
however that looks like. Uh, but <laughs> make sure you go favorite that, put that on your uh, tabs list there, Blake Street Banter. You'll find all the blogs, all the pods, all there. Our Twitter's on there. Um, I'm working behind the scenes. I'm putting all of our Blake uh, Banter sessions in one section so you can find all the conversations we've had with these guys over the last three years. Um, and yeah, let's go with that. I think our, our day is done. Our morning is done, but our day is just beginning. So yeah, a lot of fun coming. <laughs> hopefully the lake was good to you, Skylar. Uh, hopefully the rest of the day is good. As always, go rocks, minor league affiliates. Woo!